You're listening to the Try and Tackle podcast with your host, Province Sports Mobile Editor, Patrick Johnston. It's Thursday, August 4th. Welcome to the Try and Tackle podcast. Patrick Johnston here in Vancouver, as always. And uh, joining us, as he so often does, Curtis Reed from This is American Rugby. Curtis is down in Seattle. Curtis, how are you? I'm doing well. The bigger question is, how are you? You're now married. I am. Yes, thank you. Yes, it's true. Doing well. Uh, you know, no no complaints so far. I think I'm Good. doing I think I'm doing okay. I think I'm doing well, you know. I've, I've met your wife. You're doing better than okay. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh in any case, it's going to be interesting how the next 2 weeks go. Uh, you know, lots of sports. Candace is used to that by now, but the Olympics are the Olympics and I love the Olympics. So, uh lots to watch, but of course, we're here to talk rugby. What do you want to talk first? You want to talk pro rugby? Or you want to talk about talk about the Olympics? Well, I think the Olympics are on everyone's mind, so okay. let's let's get down to it. All right, Curtis, what uh, what do you think is going to be the storyline at the return of rugby, the debut of rugby sevens in the Olympic movement? Um, I'll get the cynical part of me out first, and then we'll go with the other. As an American, um, I'm prepared to be let down by the coverage of rugby at right. the Olympics. <laughs> only in the sense that, you know, I've heard a lot of these stories so many times, you know, we hear about Jillian Potter, which is a mm-hmm. terrific story. And that's not taking anything away from her recovery from cancer. And mm-hmm. we've heard about Carlin Isles, but you know, I don't think that the public is going to be impressed by stories as much as they're going to be impressed by the actual game. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping that NBC shows or the NBC networks, whatever it is, show a lot of the rugby, right? Uh, because I really think it's the game that's going to hook people. Um, I think the main storyline, outside of that cynical part of me, the main storyline is uh, I think it's going to be that the teams that we figured would dominate do. Um, You know, they're well coached, all the top teams. They got players that have been and played on big stages before. Yes, the Olympics are new, but there are big stages uh, that they've played on, had World Cups under them. They've had, you know, Sevens World Cups, the series. So I think I don't think we're going to see a team like Fiji collapse or South Africa. I think we're going to see a lot of these favorite teams on both the men's and women's sides come through in the end. Uh, that to me is the story for me as well. Is that we're going to actually see uh, some athletes from places that we don't often think about in the context of the Olympics. We're going to see the Fijians finally have a chance to show what they do on the biggest stage possible and show a global audience what their athletes are all about. You know, we think so much about the Pacific Islanders, for instance, in the U.S. I think Americans, you know, certainly football fans know, you know, what island athletes are capable of. They see them playing football. But, you know, we don't get to see Fijians necessarily, I think especially, uh, in that context. And I, and I think the fact that the world is going to see what these – Athletes who I really do believe are, are among the, the fittest athletes in the world strut their stuff. And, and I'm like you. I think in the end, the stories, there's some great backstories. I had a marvelous chat with Kayla Molesky, who's just a hardworking kid from a, a small town in British Columbia, uh, who's now playing on a global stage and, like the rest of the Canadian team, is, is, is hungry and ready to win. You know, that's great. But 
in the end, it's that we watch it for the event. And I think the event, I think Rugby Sevens is going to be really well suited to the spectacle that is the Olympics. And like you said, there's lots of other stuff you can talk about um, in terms of how the games are covered and about you know the context of the games themselves. But when it comes down to the athletics, I think Rugby Sevens is going to be a total home run. And I, I'm really excited to see how things play out. I think people are really going to enjoy it. Certainly, I've been getting lots of questions about what does it all mean. I know that you know we get it up here because we realize there's a chance to win a medal here. And and mm-hmm. women's sports has an in- interesting niche in terms of interest in in Canada. And and I think that the the women's sevens are gonna are gonna fall right into that. Yeah, I would I would wholeheartedly agree. I, the Olympics are an opportunity. To, I think, see athletes in a different context, like you were just saying. We know what basketball players can do. We know what football players can do. But it's rare we get to see people that are everyday people for the most part, because not many Olympic athletes, unless you're the Williams sisters or you're the U.S. basketball team staying on a cruise ship or whatever, right? Most of the people, they're pretty average people that are terrific athletes that have just worked hard their whole lives. Um, they've created their bodies into this just really athletic machine. Um, and I think rugby really exemplifies that. You know, much as I shared on my site this week, last last go around in London, I fell in love with field hockey just because that was such a great display of skill and athleticism. And I think that people are going to do the exact same thing with rugby. They're going to look at these men and women and go, wow, those are some fit people. Um, and, and look at how they can pass that ball. Going back to your point quickly about, you know, in America, we're kind of used to Polynesian athletes with the NFL. But at the same time, um, unfortunately, not a lot of Polynesian players get a chance to be in some of those skill positions. So, it's going to be eye-opening for a lot of people, I think, sometimes to see uh, some of these Fijian players uh, really just kind of go at it and show their athleticism. It's going to be terrific. You know, I, I go back in the end you, to what you're saying about these irregular athletes. I, I, I noted it I, on the uh, once a week I get to contribute to our morning skate uh, roundup post that we do every morning here at Province Sports. And I, I included the video of Pablo Feju. Pablo Feju from uh, from Spain and the the remarkable interview that he had with Rupert Cox after Spain had won qualification back in June, and and as I said to to Rupert and he responded quite rightly, sometimes you just press go, uh, you know that this this is a guy who has uh, Feju in his interview said you know we've been working the, at this some of this for fifteen years and you know he he just absolutely. Uh, on the edge of emotion, crying, so um, overwhelmed by the moment that they pulled, first of all, pulled off this upset of Samoa. Everyone thought Samoa was going to win. Nobody even thought it was going to be close. And, yep. and and to be told, you're an Olympian. I mean, it's, it gives me chills just saying it. And and that's that's why we, we watch and that's why we do it is that, that there is this amazing status that you attain by being able to compete at the Olympics. It's It's something so few of us get to do. Yeah, and I think it's even more special to kind of, I'll speak personally, it's even more special to see or have the opportunity to be a part of the process of a lot of these players. I'm not saying that I contributed anything to their skill level or athleticism, but, you know, you see these guys in a park. You know, five years ago, you talked to somebody in a park. 
And that was like the height of their rugby experience up to that point. They played at a sevens tournament in a park and they played really well, but only family and friends turned out. And to watch that kind of progress, to see them play in full stadium after full stadium on the series and then now in front of the biggest stage, I mean, I feel rewarded. You just have to feel even more rewarded for those athletes that are participating. And it's just a great feeling all around. Rugby in general has won before the ball's even been kicked. You know, I asked Kayla Molesky about that kind of idea today. And I said, listen, you know, there, there are players on, uh, on your team or, you know, players that didn't quite make it. And they're, they're, they're friends of yours. They're teammates of yours. You've trained next to them. You know, how is it for you being on the other side, looking at them and, and, and she said, you know, the, it is for, you know, it's a reminder that, that the, the the team is built from such a broad base that they it could be any of them that have not made it uh and and she really wanted to emphasize that point at least for the canadian team that it's not about seven players on the field it's not about a squad of 12 players it's about 26 women that have been training together over the last you know few years in victoria working trying to be in that final group and that all of them uh pushed the the team that made it to be who they are and and that there is that real sense of that that this is a team this is a sport these are athletes built from the ground up that like you said yeah the training in in public parks and and what have you and and you know you think about the Fijian the, the classic video I feel like we're probably going to see lots of and I hope we see lots of is the the dunes in Fiji you know the the training sessions that Ben Ryan has been putting his guys through where they you know have to work from the bottom and they climb those dunes and, and just sweltering heat. And and you think about the the work that's put into this. It's it's it. There's so many aspects of this game, like you said. It it is already a winner, and there's so many aspects about this game that I think are just gonna. I I think have huge potential to blow up. I, I look at the inclusion of Nate Ebner. I know he's there on merit, but you know, let's be honest. Rugby sevens is going to get mentioned on NFL broadcast now because a New England Patriot was competing for gold. It, it, it doesn't matter that it's only maybe only for a, a moment or two. It will get talked about and it will get referenced. And all of a sudden you'll get guys going, huh, I'm not quite good enough for the NFL, but maybe I'm good enough to play this rugby sevens thing. I, I think the, 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 the explosion we're going to see, and I know you noted it on, on, uh, this is American rugby.com, uh, this week about, being ready for the explosion that's going to come from this. And that to me is the other great thing is that, you know, this is a sport that you and I know so well. And, and I, I think quite rightly love so much. And we know the challenges that uh, the game has faced or if that faces the game in our two countries. And in many ways they're very similar. And, and it's about being ready now to say, okay, how are we going to take all these people that are interested and, and, and give them a way to get into the game. And, and to me that the, the Olympics, are going to be so incredible for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I, you mentioned, and I appreciate that, but you know, teams got to be ready, you know, they got to be ready and open and willing to give clinics and, and whatnot. And I really think that the atmosphere is right. And in both the U S and Canada, the lead up over the last few years has been with things like Atavis. There are now opportunities to, funnel some of those interested players into the right spots to see them develop. So spot on, I think it's really going to take off as well. Um, and it's only good stuff. All right. I'm putting you on the spot here. Are you ready to make some picks? I am ready to make some picks. Okay. Let's go with pool. A men's we'll start with the men's and we'll do the women's uh, pool A and the men, which is of course 
the pool that features your own uh, USA. It's also got Fiji, Argentina, Brazil. Who, uh, who, how is that going to play out? And uh, uh, are okay. all are are you know how many teams are going to progress to the quarterfinals? Unfortunately, Brazil misses out. Yes, I think that's fair to say. I and agree. I think all three other teams make it just because Brazil, unfortunately, is probably easily the weakest team in the whole competition. Uh, so I think. I agree. Yeah, I think I think it's going to I mean just so everybody understands because there's only three pools, the top two teams in each pool progress to the quarterfinals and then the best two teams by points differential if I'm not mistaken, Curtis, uh, assuming, you know, unless there's standing points involved as well, but the two best teams basically by points differential will then go uh into the quarterfinal round. Is that correct? Do I have that I right? I think there are uh points come into play. Yeah. Just like on the series. Right. But at the same time, we hardly ever see those points yes. come into play. It's almost right. always point differential. Right, so, right. so now, now uh, in terms of one, two, three, who are you, who you going to go with here? You think? Uh, I, you know, a lot. Some people have questioned whether Fiji's ready for the big stage. I am not one of those people. <laughs> I don't know how you could they, be honestly. I don't know either. They are coached by arguably the second best <laughs> sevens coach. I'm, I'm going to have to give that nod to Mike Friday with the job he's done. Yes. Um, but you know, they're so well coached. They have such a deep pool to pick from. Think about the competition to even get in that team. Do you think those guys are going to just relax now that they made it? No way. <laughs> so I think there's, they're my favorite to win the whole tournament. I think they top pool a, um, you know, it's really a toss-up between the U.S. and Argentina just because they've played some very close matches this year. I think Argentina has had a few more downs than the U.S. has had. But at the same time, they're pretty evenly matched. Uh, I mean, it's a tough one. I hate to pick against the U.S., but Argentina playing so close to home and maybe some some conditions they're semi-used to. Just say it, Curtis. All right, I'll give the nod to Argentina in a second. <laughs> make my own fan base angry <laughs> and then i'll have the u.s uh getting in i uh you know what i'm gonna go the other way i am i am so thrilled to see carlisle's back in action uh the, the the american team was so good when uh friday was able to play off the baker isles duo that he could being able to have uh, you know a, a out and out sprinter like that yeah on the field for the whole game you know once Isles was out of the lineup and Baker had to kind of carry the weight and was 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 mm. sort of pushed pushed past his his previous limits I mean we learned a lot about Perry Baker the rugby player and it was a very impressive thing to watch as he really learned about how to manage and how much more he had to give and how much more he had to give but in the end you were dealing with a tired Perry Baker at the end as opposed to a reasonably fresh Carlin Isles yeah. or vice versa. Yeah. And to me, that is going to be the X factor here. And I really think it's going to bounce the way of the Americans. I know, like you said, it's been some very close games with Argentina. Argentina have a very impressive squad that they put together. But in the end, I, I, I and the return of Andrew Durtal, I mean, I've talked enough about him, about the importance that he was for that team the season before, especially knocking off Canada in that North American final. I, I think the American team, and as you said, with the best coach in the world, they're humming. And I think I don't think they're going to beat Fiji, but I think they're going to beat Argentina. Yeah, now that you know, I was thinking about it, and, and you just mentioned it. I was thinking about it while you were talking. I'm going to change my vote just because of Andrew Duratello. <laughs> I mean, now that I think about it more, I mean, Andrew Duratello is such an amazing sevens player. 
such an amazing rugby player. Mm-hmm. Um, I you, maybe DJ Forbes, but I don't think there was a better player at the breakdown. Um, not this last season, but the season before that, than Andrew Duratalo. He was amazing. So have him back. Yeah, with Andrew Dertel, okay, I'll give it to him over Argentina. You convinced me. All right. I like it. I like it. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just looking. I was trying to find, because I remember Brian Ray did a list of guys that weren't in, in involved for Fiji. And you go Kotini Bao, Nasila Sila, Viri Viri, Naya Kalevu, Mulivoro, and, and Pio Tuwai. I mean, seven guys right there that you could probably put a team together and say Fiji's going to win gold. Also, let's think about some of the Fijian players that will be on other teams. <laughs> yeah, right. Andrew Tertalo being yeah. one. Yeah. Uh so. Fakatawa, you know, the list goes on. Anyway, that's we could talk about this group forever. We 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 need to get along here. Uh group B, uh which is South Africa, Australia, France and Spain. Of course, I've mentioned the just already what a great story Spain is. Um I'll, maybe I'll go first here. I, you know, I think clearly South Africa are, if they're not the co-favorites with Fiji, I think they're just a step behind. They've got so many weapons in that lineup is absolutely incredible. Just thinking about the fact that they could, you know, they, that they're Brian Habana is not in there. I mean, Brian Habana played all right playing sevens, but the the specialists are so good. You think about Roscoe Speckman and Cecil Africa. You know the the guys up front. They've got um, Werner Koch back, and it just it's an incredibly dynamic team. Ciabella Sanatla, who scored you know sixty tries or wherever it was this year, uh, the the only guy faster than Carlin Isles, really, and I, I don't mind saying that. I, I think that's the truth. Um, you know, an incredible team, and I, I really think they're going to have. They're going to win that group, and I don't think they're going to have much trouble doing it. I think Australia will come through second. They've they've been so consistently good, even with you know the, the turnover and coaching in the last uh, couple seasons. The, the players are good. They're so well tuned. You know they found that young Henry Hutchison, who was a great find for them this season, just spoke to the depth of the team that they already had, and he's still in there. Al, uh, you know you think about Cam Clark. You think about. Uh, um, uh, you know, Ed Jenkins, what kind of leader he is. I think they're going to finish second. I'm going to go, you know, France, I think, clearly finishes third. The challenge, of course, for France now is going to be how many points do they score? And, you know, that's where the dynamic with Pool C comes in. And I think, uh, you know, Pool C is the thing in here. And I think France, I think France may come up short. We're, we're, I'm curious to see how Spain performs. Uh, and I think France may come up short merely because South Africa and Australia are so good that France may not be able to separate themselves enough from the competition, which I think if we skip ahead, not going to reveal something here, will be Kenya in, in Pool C. And I think you know that the dynamic there is that Kenya will keep things closer against Great Britain and New Zealand and will put enough points up on Japan versus what France will be able to do when it comes to playing Spain versus South Africa versus Australia. As exciting as Verimi Vakatawa is, and I would love to see him and the likes of Julian Canelon prove me wrong, I just don't think France, they had some great moments this season, but generally I felt like France was playing at their limit when they played well this season versus uh, Kenya, who we know were always capable of a little bit more. And you just look at how well South Africa and Australia are playing, and that's how I'm going to go with it. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think this is the most straightforward of the pools. Um, France has their moments, but they've also struggled pretty mightily. Uh, this year and I think that Spain is tough enough to give them a challenge that it will keep them out and I do agree with you that Australia and South Africa probably give France a a decent pounding 
Um, so I think it's the most straightforward. I, I think that France misses out as well. So Pool C, how does that play? You think you think New Zealand's going to finish first and Great Britain finish second, or do you got another idea there? Yeah, I think that New Zealand's had enough time to maybe kind of turn themselves around. They did have some injuries earlier in the year. Um, I think there was also just some discontent on how the squad was shaking out, to be honest with you, that kind of impacted their play throughout the year. And now that that's over and it's done, I think you'll see kind of some vintage New Zealand. Um, to be honest, I'm not a huge believer in, in the Great Britain model for sevens. I think you, you see a lot of the successful teams on the series really have been together for years. Curtis, have you been talking to Mike Friday? <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. But, you know, I think they should have started this. And I think this is Mike Friday's point. Yes. They should have started this years ago. If you were really going to incorporate some of the best Scottish players, some of the best Welsh players, you needed to do that a lot earlier. And then I think you would have had a really powerful team. Mm -hmm. Um, But then relying on mostly English players with some smattering of, of some new players. I just don't know that when it comes down to it in the heat of the moment and you need to make that crucial offload, that you're all going to be on the same page. Uh, and I think that, you know, the Olympics are, it's a story of really minute details. Mm-hmm. And and I just don't know that they, do they certainly have that to finish second in the pool? Absolutely. But do they have that to top the pool or to even win the tournament? I'm not so sure. And, and I guess the other thing to consider here is, like I said, it, it, how does Kenya look? I mean, Kenya have had some amazing moments this season. And, you know, obviously winning in, in Singapore and and really rounding into form at the right time and, and an incredibly committed group of players and you, who sometimes deal with challenging circumstances in terms of, the you know, the Kenyan rugby union's politics at home at times. But a, a coach they seem to believe in, a, a, a team, you know, a, a group of players that seem to believe in each other. I could see them finishing ahead of Great Britain. I, it's a challenging one. There's, there's that Great Britain team, as you said. There's a, the, there's that lack of, you know, unity, lack of harmony in that one crucial moment that could make a real difference. And and I think to me that's going to be the interesting thing to see here. Uh, you know, Simon Umore is an amazing coach. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, and the squad he's picked, you look at the lineup, you're like, man, that is a great looking team. He's picked every player on that team. You're kind of go, yeah, I get it. You know, and, 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 you know, trying his best to pick on form and then hoping, hoping for the best that these guys can figure it all out. And in the end, you know, that in a way they're kind of like a throwback team. They're like, let's throw a bunch of guys together and see how we do on the day. But with, with the way things have gone in terms of coaching, in terms of systems, in terms of, you know, uh, the ability to keep players together. I mean, it might be a problem for New Zealand as well, but, uh, I, I think the, the team GB, I, I think in the end they are going to be better than Kenya. They've just got enough more weapons than Kenya do. Uh, I, I think that will be the difference. But like I said, I believe Kenya is going to keep it close with both those teams, and I think they're going to run away from Japan. Although, you know what, Japan, you never know, could pull something out of out of the hat. But I think they're going to do enough. They're going to be better than France, and I think they will be the eighth qualifier. Yeah, I think if there's a surprise team for me, it will be Japan. Um, they got a lot of good rugby players in that country. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I, I agree with pretty much the eight that, that you've picked. I, I would agree with that. I think what's really going to be interesting is the quarterfinal matchups. Yeah. 
Uh, that's really where the tournament is going to turn because those eight teams are going to be so even in many ways. Yes, you have the Fijis and the South Africas that are probably separating themselves, but at the same time, outside I would say outside of those two, the other six teams could easily make yeah. the semifinals. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think those quarterfinals are going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, obviously too early for us to call call those, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's let's move over to the women here. We don't, you know, we'll talk uh, quickly here, and then, like I said, have a quick chat about pro rugby, and then we'll get out of here. But uh, talk about Pool A. That's again the American pool up against Australia. I think I think everyone agrees Australia are the hot favorites uh, to win gold. They've just been so consistent the last two seasons. Obviously, Canada both. Last year and this past season, uh, won the final tournament of the season, beating Australia, uh, you know, rounding into form perhaps at the right time. But in this one, I think Australia clearly number one. Uh, the Americans, you know, have had up and down, obviously have their own tale of coaching changes. Uh, it seems like it felt like for, for a while every month. Um, <laughs> right. A new coach. Yeah. But but in the end, I think the quality is there. Uh, and I think Fiji, the Fijian women who, uh, you know, really turned a real corner this year under Ben Ryan's assistant, Chris Cracknell, and and played with some continuity and, and a system like they'd never really had been taught before. Uh, and that really made a difference. And I think they could be an interesting team in the quarterfinals. That's for sure. Uh, but I think Fiji comes through third. Colombia, who, you know, I think it's great they're there. They're a wonderful story themselves. But Colombia will be far and away the weakest team uh, in the women's competition. So I think Colombia finishes fourth. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I will just say a couple notes on the U.S. team. I think the team that you're seeing and the coaching staff that you're seeing are really the the heart of the team that had success the year before. Mm-hmm just barely missed out on automatic qualification. So, you know, they, they went through some uh, struggles earlier in the year, but I really do think they've kind of picked the team and have the philosophy that saw them have success right. uh, a year ago. And so I think you'll see a return of that. I actually think they're going to play pretty well. Um, but I would agree with your things. Australia, definitely number one, then the U.S., then Fiji. Um, I think it's going to be interesting whether Fiji – is able to make the quarterfinals or not um, just because they've had some hits and misses on the year and they're a team that's really hard to figure out. So they have great players. They did get much better, but um, I, I do think they're a bubble team. I think, I think in the end we're, and I'll explain it in a little bit, but I think it's, it, it's going to be, they have a structural advantage in that, that they pr- probably keep things reasonably close with the Americans and they're far better than yeah. Columbia. So, yeah. you know, that's about the way it shakes out. Pool B, New Zealand, clearly I think is going to be first. France, who could be a dark horse uh, option to take it all. They, they've had some really strong performances. I'm not sure they quite have the, the game breaker. They have the consistency, but I'm not quite sure they have the game breaker in that lineup to really take it, break into that kind of top three, four group. But uh, I think clearly will be the second place team. Spain have played some really fun stuff this season. They've had some really impressive wins. Uh, you know, I beat New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, and and then the Kenyans, you know, the lion, lionesses who are there because South Africa chose not to go. Uh, again, a nice story. They'll be they'll be nice to have them there, but I think again they'll, they're, they're going to be clear clearly the fourth place team in that group. I would agree. Uh, and then Pool C, 
which is the Canadian group. I, I think uh, it's going to be an interesting one. The Team GB setup there has been a little more unified than the than the Americans have, partly because the uh, series for the women was was so much shorter this year. They got a lot more tournaments in together. They got a, a lot of better looks at how they want to try things out. For instance, at the Vancouver uh, se- in, uh, Vancouver Sevens uh, Invitational, which was running alongside the Canada Sevens, that the, the women, the Team GB women, were here. Yeah, um, Vegas too. Vegas too, you know, so they've had more time together. I think in the end, though, this Canadian team is as strong as it was ever going to be. You know, I know that there's been some small amount of controversy about uh, Megley Harvey not being picked, but you know, if, if you, if you know anything about the kind of the numbers that the the Canadian team was looking at and, and the things they emphasize, you know, Harvey, as far as I understand, didn't show that well, like, in terms of physical talent, you know, a game breaker. Yeah, there was always the possibility. But the truth of the matter was, was that when they were at full strength, she was never an obvious choice. She was always in the battle for that 12 spot. And John Tate explained why he preferred uh, Charity Williams, for instance, and Britt Ben uh, for another player, that these were players, and Megan Lucan, that had been proven to be more consistent, fewer errors on attack, fewer errors in defense, Um and and so, you know, I mean, we ended up talking about a player that ended up not even going to Rio, not being part of the substitute uh, group, uh, you know, who kind of, I guess, you know, decided to say how frustrated she was. And I, I suppose that was reflected in uh, in how things kind of broke between her and the coaching staff. And, and uh, you know, take that for what you will. I mean, the Canadians got to put in a performance now or else those questions will never go away but i think canada will finish first i think great britain will be very that's gonna be a great match but i think great britain will finish second um brazil you know brazil and japan japan have been a hustling team at times but neither brazil or japan i uh, have really impressed me very much in the last couple of years and like i said i'm going to go with uh the fact that Neither of them is going to be able to sprint away from the other. That Fiji will be able to put more points on Colombia, um, just as Spain will be able to do on Kenya. And that in the end, both uh, Brazil and Japan are going to miss out on the quarterfinals. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think uh, going back to Maggie Harvey, I think she's the perfect example of how sevens and fifteens have split over the last few years mm-hmm. towards specialization and not all fifteens players make good sevens players. I mean, Chris Wiles was able to make the transition um, for the U.S., but you see how many other 15s players missed out on, on the men's side. I think, you know, we can't apply a double standard to the women's side either. I think that the same thing holds true. If you, Not all 15s players make good 7s players. It was an unusual spot. We're not used to having uh, that kind of a you know situation in Canadian rugby, but it was not unlike happened with some of the men's players. You know, you you know the the Australians brought in the likes of Quade Cooper and Nick Cummins, and neither of those guys made it. Nick Cummins with quite a you know a classy uh, statement about having been proud to be involved. Brian Habana the same way. Both guys who really wanted to go to the Olympics but accepted their fate and said, "Listen, uh, you know, I I wasn't good enough." And uh, you know, there was a bit of a contrast there. It was an interesting. It was interesting to see how that all played out. And I mean, in the end, they picked the team. And and you know what? If you don't win, there's always going to be questions. So the Canadians, I think, clearly have to have to you know put in. And I don't think there is any doubt that they will. Um, it's it's going to be a sensational event, that's for sure. Uh, let's let's you know let's switch quickly. Last thoughts to pro rugby. Um, you know. Uh, from my vantage, an amazing season, really. You know, they pulled it off. They got every they got every team from start to finish. 
Uh, you know, players on the whole pretty happy. Guys got paid. Checks showed up on time. You know, there's lots, uh, obviously, to learn for next year. But uh, what can you say as someone who was actually, you know, pretty close to a lot of it? Yeah, I think, you know, it's about what we expected. I think if, if you took a realistic look at what was achievable prior to the season, they pulled it off and even exceeded that in some regards. If you look at play on the field, it improved dramatically. If you were to go back to week one and compare it to week 16, I think there's night and day difference. So um, they really hit a lot of their goals. The one thing that I always have to stress to people, and this isn't from in conversations with the, the pro rugby folks, is that this year was very much a beta year, as they like to call it. You know, they didn't, they purposely didn't go out and seek certain sponsorships or try to get on, you know, the most advanced cable station that they could because they wanted to have a product. Mm. This had never been done before. Yes, you know, 10,000 fans, 20,000 fans have turned out to watch rugby in the United States and Canada, but nobody had put together a season this long with paid attendance, with streaming options. And so now that they have this kind of product, that's what they're going to go shop. So I think you're going to see a lot of changes next year in addition to expansion, which maybe we touch on later. But um, you're going to see a lot of changes, more sponsorships. It's important to remember that for a beta test, it was really quite successful. They really ticked all of their boxes. Um, Like you said, players got paid. Some players couldn't hack it and that happens in professional rugby other players you know really excelled so i think it hit all of its goals and only looking forward to a better next year yeah you know quickly i know you i know you have to go but the the the, the truth is that there's interest up here that you know rugby canada i think has been you know, watching carefully uh, you know from their standpoint all they really have to do is sanction it and uh, i know that you know there have been a few people kind of uh, possibly identified here and there as as possible people who might be involved on the ground. I, I don't know too much beyond that, but uh, you know, as Doug Schoeninger told me uh, last fall, you know, he had already been here. He had checked out Vancouver. He was interested in Vancouver even then. And uh, you know, I know that there's noise about Toronto, and there's there's a bit of a push out there. And uh, you know, we'll see how things play out, but uh, all things certainly sign, or all th- things certainly point towards uh, a Canadian expansion. And and I, and I think, as you've noted, uh, perhaps uh, I think Martin Pangeli as well has noted, uh, you know, likely expansion elsewhere as well. I mean, everybody's playing it very cautious. They don't want to say anything until things actually get signed uh, and sealed and delivered. But but you know, things things looking very positive for an expanded, improved uh, yeah. league next year. And I think just quickly on that expansion note. It, it's expansion that makes sense, um, coupled with the fact that if they add more teams out east, that makes travel much easier for Columbus. They don't; they no longer have um, teams from San Diego trying to make the trip out to to Ohio a couple of times. Um, you have bus travel, and also the areas that you're going to, you're not really diluting your own talent pool. A lot of players from the Northeast didn't play pro rugby this year because they had jobs and they weren't sure if pro rugby was going to happen. So they wouldn't want to uproot themselves across the country. Makes sense. Um, And so I think expansion for next year fits in line with what they've done. Everything that they've done so far, for the most part, makes sense. Can there be improvements? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, there definitely can be improvements. But 
Um, I think they're doing it smartly, and it's uh, great to see that happen. All right, Curtis, always a pleasure to see you. Of course, uh, Curtis is on Twitter at this is Amer Rugby. I'm on Twitter at Rising Action. Curtis is at thisisamericanrugby.com. And on Facebook, I'm on Facebook, uh, Try and Tackle. Just look for us there. Curtis, last thought uh, before we go. Just enjoy the moment this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, make sure, you know, if you haven't watched a lot of women's rugby before, make a point to watch it. They're great athletes. Um, but just just enjoy you know, the spectacle that, that we're going to have and soak it all in. All right, folks. Well said, Curtis. We'll, uh, we'll hopefully see you again soon. Again, apologies that we've been so sporadic with this, but uh, the plan going forward is to do these pretty regularly. So uh, give us a shout uh, on Twitter. Let us know what you're thinking. Send us in questions all the time. Happy to discuss the questions people have. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to the Province Sports Try and Tackle podcast with your host, Province Sports Mobile Editor Patrick Johnston. Find this and other great sports podcasts in iTunes or subscribe to using your favorite podcast app by clicking the links available on the thepromisepodcasts.com. Mm-hmm.